Hey everybody, welcome back. It's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 166. I was going to say Bonnaroo. That's how you do it, baby. Hey folks, welcome back. It's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. We are going to be, this is kind of like a special podcast that we're doing here um you can hear the dogs roaming around because we are also at uh tracy's right while, now while you're getting your floors ripped while up we're getting the floors the uh, yeah the maison duville so it's a little echoey uh, in here by the way it's a little bit more echoey than my house is my house Bare is probably going to be a little bit more echoey once the hardwood floors get in as well but uh you know so there's all kind of renovation going on there's a couple of dogs wandering around here uh ruby and Lucille, Ruby's got the cone of shame on right now because she keeps picking at this uh, sore that she's got. Uh, yeah, she's got this sore, and she just tries to go for it, and uh, she can't. And uh, so you might hear some banging around in the background, but this is our kind of special Bonnaroo edition. And the reason why we keep bringing up Bonnaroo is because, first of all, because the promoters of the festival started their company here, and that... Right, and that we we know on a personal level, Joel, to a greater extent than me, um, the folks that are the promoters of Bonnaroo, um, who got their start business wise in New Orleans years yeah. ago, and so there's deep roots there. And for anybody who's listened to the podcast, they know that already. So yeah, and then uh, Let me and, say and, and then quick. the other things that that yeah. Joel and I worked. At Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival for, yeah. uh, you know, Joel probably has been there 12 or 15 times or something like that. I've been there 10 maybe. Yeah. And and we did work for them for several years that uh, came to an end a couple of years ago because they went in-house with some of the things that we were doing. With their know. media production, yeah. Media production, you know, change is inevitable, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it happens. and uh, And so it's been... A kind of an on again, off again thing. Since then, um, I've actually been one more time than you since that happened. Right. Um, and we went and podcasted two years ago uh, at Bonnaroo, right? Or was it last? Or was it two years? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. We're going to post yeah. the best of those episodes next week. By the way, right? Uh, when Jeff's back in the hospital for his very last inpatient, not going with hopefully uh, very yeah, last yeah. inpatient. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully trip. so. Uh, but, but just to back it up a little bit, I do want to say that like <clears throat> this is the only time we've ever recorded on a Friday that wasn't at Bonnaroo. Oh, we uh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so this is kind of an emergency. Yes. <laughs> this is kind of an emergency pod um, that that is related to Bonnaroo. And just to circle back before we get into some details about our experience at that festival and why we're podcasting about it tonight. Um, yeah, the Superfly guys were on Oak Street. When Griper and I and Snake and Jakes was just coming up, Maple Leaf was already well established. Giacomo's was um, also opening up at the same time as Snake and Jakes, and all these young people, both who were going to Tulane, like the Superfly guys, and a lot of us that just moved here in our early twenties, all kind of came together, and everyone had a job at either Snakes, the Maple Leaf, or Giacomo's. That's right, right. right. And Rick Farman, one of the founders of Superfly worked at Snake and Jake's when I worked there. And they were doing, uh, and then John Mayers was like at the fraternity up the street. And while he was still in school before he was a promoter, I remember one day, this was like six months in for me being in New Orleans. 
1994. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it was like the Rebirth was playing up the street, like at the frat house, and you could just wander in. Right. And I'm like, how the fuck is this happening? It was out there on Broadway, right near uh, yeah. Oak. Oh, right, and right. Right yeah. around the corner. Right. And uh, I see this kid rocking in the back of the room. I was like, dude, are you responsible for this? I just came up and said, what's up? And that was John Mayer's. Uh-huh. And then... Wow. And then eventually they took over the, their first office was the stock room next to Snake and Jigs. That's right. So they just cleared half the stock shit out and they just worked. And that's because Dave Clements allowed them to use that right. space. Exactly. Right. And they probably didn't pay a thing. And, uh, and then Sonny Schneido moved on from Tipitina's to House of Blues and John and Rick basically took over management. Mostly John is Booker, and he kind of brought Rick on with him to help run the place. Right. With Tipitina's, and then Superfly came from that. And one of my first music industry-related related jobs was being a front-of-house manager for Superfly shows. So I did, like, a bunch of Mermaid Lounge shows, just being there from the promoter to make sure, like, everything was on the up and up and security was tight, and then to settle with sure. the band at the end of the show. And, you know what I mean? And then one of the things that they did as well, uh, just to circle it all back home, is that they managed Galactic, which was like kind of like a side thing for them because they weren't really in management. Um, but they they managed, had a vision to be, and then they they had a vision. To they be, did right? that one thing, and then it, that was it. But they they, they were uh, managing Galactic for a while, and then and then that ended at, at a certain point. But now Galactic owns Tipitinas, right? Exactly. And so that's why I'm like circling it all around. Yeah, full circle. You know? Right, right, exactly. exactly. If you think about it. Tipitina's fell uh, into the hands of uh, this uh, uh, shyster, uh, essentially, who bought it, and uh, he's probably going to wind up going to jail uh, sometime soon. Uh, for, I forget his name, Van Clompton or something like that. I forget. And then uh, Ben Elman, who's the principal in Galactic, who spearheaded, was one of the spearheaded of two people from Galactic to buy Tipitina's, produced the sole uh, brass band's new album dropping May 31st called Levels. Right. And Soul Brass Band is on my management roster, that the company that I'm part of the management team on. That's right. So it really is kind of small world, small town, 20-something years later. Well, Ben Elman also used to play with Lump. That's right. And, yeah. you know, a, a fractured Lump, uh, the remnants of which folded over into Egg Yolk Jubilee. Right, exactly. Right, which is my band. So, <laughs> so exactly. I mean, there's all kinds of connective kind tissue of connect- uh, there. So, I remember when uh, big Jeff Landry was, um, who's a friend of the pod, shout out, was one of the maybe the only full one of maybe two or maybe it was the only full-time employee he was the top manager employee beyond the four owners before the beyond the four principals right 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 at this time and they had these offices up in the Carrollton area up on the second floor and it was like bustling this was before they started doing their um they really broke out when fish came to jazz fest we've talked about that before and then they really started that whole nighttime jazz fest thing. I mean, Superfly started that. It really didn't exist. Jazz, the jazz fest would do a few jazz shows, like at the Orpheum or Municipal Auditorium or Mahalia or whatever, right? <clears throat> that were just like some headliners that were already playing the festival, like maybe a Van Morrison or something like that. But this whole like club idea of night shows just wasn't happening uh, outside of normal programming that clubs did. You know what I mean? Sure. So they were the first ones to bring in out-of-town talent uh, to take advantage of this audience that were getting out of a festival that ended at 7 p.m., right? And they did it the year that Fish came down. So there were so many people that were, you know, yearning, and that really is what put them on the map. Not long after that, I was in there. The 
aforementioned offices around Carrollton and Skinny Rick Farman shows me this uh, logo and it's for Axis Music Festival. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. Really shitty name. Really shitty. Yeah, that's logo. bad. That's not good. And he's like, what do you think, Joel? And I'm like, I was like, that sucks, dude. You guys can come up with something better than that, you know? Yeah. Like, that's like act or whatever it's like yeah yeah no so uh um fast forward like two and a half years later or something three years maybe i've moved to portland i was like what's up with this i'm like well we're we're looking at sites we've looked at this one farm in the middle of tennessee we can't do it without funding we're trying to get investors blah 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 i was like yeah i mean i just honestly i don't dig the name you know and i mean he wasn't offended so like three years later, I'm living in Portland. That's good. That, that's the mark of a good businessman. Oh, totally. And then, um, <laughs> and then Rich Goodstone. My idea sucked. Okay, I can take that. The other uh, one of the other founders, Rich Goodstone, calls me and he's like, "Hey, man, what are you up to?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm freelancing. You know, I'm selling sponsorships for this festival and doing this for this other freelancing thing." He's like, "Are you available to come to Tennessee?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "When?" He was like, "Can you leave like tomorrow?" We got this thing, Bonnaroo, off the ground. You know, I was like, you mean that Axis thing or whatever? He's like, yeah, we renamed it. And they named it after Dr. John's album. Yeah, Destitively Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo. Right. Bonnaroo is a Creole term for good stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. So they really hit a home run there with the right, name. Right, right. And, no one uh, even understands at that festival anymore the New Orleans tie-ins that are going on all no, around. No, exactly. They, they have no idea. Only the people that are actually from here that have spent time here. Yeah, understand. Like, like understand the that. Connective that, tissue. Yeah, that, exactly. I mean, one of their stages is... There's a Snake and Jake's. There's a Snake and Jake's Christmas thing. No one knows why. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why do they have a Christmas-themed thing on the, on the farm? In the I know, the I know. That's funny. Um, so uh, I went down to... I just got on a plane like three weeks, I want to say, before the first festival. And I was like, what do you need me to do on the phone? And he's like, I don't even know. We just need all hands on deck, man. We got our funding like six months ago. We're scrambling. We're, we brought in, all, I came to find out they were really smart, man. They brought in all the production people who had done the giant fish shows. Because at some point, fish was like, we're done dealing with promoters. Right. And we're going to do all these like old military base Right. Like shows. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. You're because, laughing to the dogs. Because Lucille is like in the background. You can hear her whimpering right now. Yeah. And, and it must be because there's like just a little bit of thunder or something that happened or the rain is like starting to come. Like when she hears these noises, like she she has that whole thunder thing, you know, where uh, you, you might need to put a thunder blanket around her or something like that. She, it's, come like, here, Lucille. Maybe she's not a podcast. She's but. like trying to hide out in the bathroom come right here. now. Come here. <laughs> They're beagles, folks. Come here. You know? Rescue beagles. Yeah, they're super sweet dogs, and uh, they're a little, uh, they're made, Lucille's a little sensitive. Okay. So, yeah, so I went down there, and whatever, long story short, I worked for three weeks leading up to the festival. Once I got there, they were like, do you want to, can we have you work credentials? And I did that with, uh, I co-managed that department with a woman named Ruth Carlton. Who uh-huh. now helps run another planet entertainment in the Bay Area? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, and so she did the. She created a database from FileMaker Pro, and I I was charged with kind of what I'm good at, going out in the field and talking to people, right? And like wrangling all the department heads uh-huh. and getting them to stop what they're doing and give me all the names and collecting all the data, right? Like, gotcha. In an analog way, right? And then going back to Ruth to input into the database and then we managed the whole team and it was it was a shit show we did not let Frenchie in that very first year 
There are very few people wow. that have gotten kicked out on arrival. Huh. And he, he was such oh, he a... Got, he, oh, he got, he got booted. He got booted before he got his credential. Wow. Because that's how he was behaving. There's so many like weird stories, you know, from like back in the day. Somebody got booted. Somebody have, got fired. You know, people of, that we know. We have know. a lot of tolerance, too. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, and, and look, I have to say that despite the many uh, golf cart wrecks that Joel uh, Jackson was uh, responsible for throughout the years, we can say that now, is that, uh, you know, we never got kicked out because of that. Apparently, you could just like anonymously destroy a golf cart and uh, still have employment. Yeah. That happened. That sure did. It happened a few times. Happened a few times. Um, And one year I had that my golf cart confiscated, like by security. Many rules were developed just because of Joel. At Bonnaroo, yeah. Every in year, regard, every year, in go regard, back and it's like that's a new rule. It's, it's like, just oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's a whole bunch of there was like a general a general every time Joel showed up, there's a general tightening of the rules every year, you know, and it always seemed to have to do with something that we had occurred a, with a golf cart that we were using. We had a, we had a cannonball run uh, in year two, like from midnight to six in the morning with like thirty golf carts. It's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. Crazy! You dumped so, me out of the golf car one time. I uh, remember. I dumped know, going uh, around. I, yeah, I just I, I dumped I, I my hit the road. I dumped my would-be fiance out of the golf cart once. Well, the thing broke. The the, the, the handle. Little, the handle. I'm taking a tight. She was going on a turn, and I leaned into it, and the handle just broke, and I fell out. That's how Lindsay Dumb. fell out too. Yeah, exact same way. Um, so anyway, um, and then I was just like, I was like, I don't want to do that job again. So I just noticed, I was like, you guys aren't doing any video production. You're doing video production for your performances, but not for like the experience, like the fans experience, how they interact with your sponsors. Cause I was selling sponsorships at the time. And that's how Jeff and I started working there doing video production, which I didn't have any experience in do- doing. I just thought that we could do sponsorship sales video work. And we did that for about a decade um, and broke all those golf cart rules. And, uh, Damn, it was a good time, man. We had some really. We drove the <laughs> we, oh, we drove the golf cart back to the hotel one time. Yeah, God, you know, I mean, Kanye, Kanye I mean, I'm, I'm just okay with telling that story now, you know. And like, there were people that didn't, uh, yeah, because Kanye West wasn't starting, and then it started to rain, and you know, whatever. I mean, I didn't want to hulk out, and you didn't want to wait, and we didn't want to wait. It was it's like it was like four thirty. That in was morning. the one problem with the laborer throughout the years that I was always complaining about right. is that. They just had like this enormous amount of volunteers, and then they had people who are actual crew, and there was never a delineation, a segregation of those two groups of people, and one of whom is kind of sort of working, you know, and the other side of things has a are, call time at ten a.m. Are people who are working all day fucking long? If we don't, you know? We're not so ready like, for our interview by eleven. We're so, fired. so at the end of a at the end of a long day of working, you know, like you're ready to get the fuck out of there, man, and you want to be able to do that. And Jeff and, would just jump in front of all the volunteers. Well, because they don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, volunteers are seriously important to any festival because they get free labor out of that totally. and 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 so they should have separate but folk, but there's folk. a bartered exchange yeah. you know which is that you know you spend a certain amount of time which is like a half day and then you get a ticket essentially for free or maybe you spend six hours right working and then you get to go see some night shows right, right. and so but we're out there busting a rump like the whole day long and uh, hauling gear setting up shooting arranging 
uh, running back to the trailer, data offloading, figuring out whether or not, you know, the millennial that's been assigned to us um, when we were in San Francisco is going to have an emotional meltdown or not. All kinds of things are happening right. um, on site that make it real work. And uh, and that goes for the podcast as well. And, and I just want to say that, uh, for one, we're going to try and make this like kind of uh, shorter than the podcast that we've been having recently. And to say that we're doing this podcast in part because we're trying to raise some money in the last two weeks in the run-up to the festival in order to pay for, at a minimum, we want to just break even. Pay our hard costs for travel and accommodations. Pay, pay our hard costs for travel and accommodations. A couple of years ago, I footed the bill you primarily, uh, which was coming off the sale of the Lost Love Lounge when right. I was flush with some cash and I was just like, look, I'll be the benefactor this year and we'll do it. And we camped and that was kind of miserable. We had a nice trailer for us to do the podcasts from, um, but now we've got our professional gear <laughs> and we've got, uh, and <clears throat> also we're adults, you know, and we don't, we just don't want to like. We want to get good rest. Camping's and, untenable when you're when you're working there. And the other thing is just like me and my condition right now. You know, with like coming off of the chemo and right. and the the uh, the whole uh, issue of like the hemoglobin crash. You know that you experience as a result of that. I I just don't want to myself. I just don't want to do that. No, I want to I want to spend the night in a bed. Nor do and, I. And, and, and nor do you. And, I mean, it was so taxing last time, even for me. Like, I barely saw any music the whole time. Because we did three shows, three or more shows per day. That's right. That's right. And did the post-production on the shows every day. So... Did the publishing on for the shows in between every show. That's right. And by the time we were done, you know, called the gear each day to the trailer, set up, and of course, we're also spending the nighttime booking guests for the next show. That's right. We're just right. walking around. Like in artist hospitality, finding interesting people, you know, and and and, and, that's and, how and net networking and all that stuff. And but we had some, we had some great fucking interviews. But the other thing some is that, content. like, you know, it was like I was like Cookie, the chef. Yeah, you right. Were. You know, and so yeah. like we're like cooking in a camping style. All this stuff has got to be cleaned after we're done. You know, it's like we'd rather just you know hit a Waffle House or something like that. On yeah, the way or hit, yeah, or just hit the vending. You know, the festival. I mean, I know it sounds. It might sound to some people like whiny, but but here's the truth of the matter: is that like it, it was taxing on us to put out that many shows and to try and make arrangements and go and meet with people and talk with people and get them to come back and then to go back to camping and sleep in camping. And we just don't want to do it that way. Because you, you can and, only sleep for like three hours, man. And here's the... Because it's so fucking... It's so noisy till three in the morning. And that's right. And it's so blistering hot at six in the morning. That's right. And the reality of it was this, was that we spent as much money for that trip getting the camping gear and the stuff that we needed to get as right. we're kind of sort of asking. Maybe it's a little bit more this time. Yeah. You know, but this is essentially what we want to do, folks. We want to fly in. Joel and I want to fly in. Well, it's one of two options, right? It's one of two options. We're either going to fly in and get a hotel room that's about 30 miles away. In Murfreesboro. Right, exactly. And rent a car. Or we're going to and get then in. And keep all of our gear in the production or if, trailer. if we can arrange through the production team at Bonnaroo to get a spot for an RV, right. um, which is looking... Mm, I don't know. If what, they have the space, if they have the space, they're happy then, to give it to us. It's just it's it's, it's know, limited, right? A, now. a lot of these guys who we refer to, it's their it's their last year, but because they they, they sold the festival to Live Nation and it's seventeen years in, and they've sold it. I think five years ago, and at some point the contract runs up, and 
um, this is a last hurrah for our really good friends. And that's going to be our last hurrah. And that also means that like all of their loved ones, friends, family, both from New Orleans, New York, et cetera, are all going to be there. It's going to be such a huge family affair. And I feel like, I mean, I think this is a little bit of a, I want to get back to the logistics thing, but it's like, I, if I'm listening to this podcast right now, I'm thinking, why would I, and I'm posing a question to you, Jeff, like why would okay, I okay. I'm ready. give some money to help these guys pay for their travel cost to go do something that's going to be fun for them or whatever. Um, and, but you know, when I look at Kickstarter, when I, when we had this idea the other night, I set up the Kickstarter page last night, the spirit of Kickstarter is like, it's for people who are creating something that's good to put out into the world. And I, I have to say, man, I'm proud of our podcast in the sense that like of our, you know, technically this is 166, but we know we've done over 200 shows because we had the part one, part two thing for so long. But I feel like there's probably 15 shows that should be in the Tulane Jazz archive, you know, and a couple of those are were recorded at Bonnaroo in 2017, including the Patrick Clifford um, Neville Brothers story about Yellow Moon. That's right. right. And, 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 you know, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think maybe you're touching on something that is truly the deepest value that this podcast brings to the table. Yeah. Um, is, is that occasionally because of our efforts, we get people on the show who are delivering a, a verbal, a verbal recounting of, Tales of culturally significant, uh, culturally significant moments, in time. moments in time and yeah. historical events from yeah. a perspective that maybe you haven't heard before. That's right. And that is in long and, form and that organic. If we would not have gone to Bonnaroo, we, we never would have known that there was some kind of tie in between the Neville brothers and Bette Midler that was given to That's us right. by this guy, Patrick Clifford, who we had no idea, folks, no idea whatsoever who this guy was or what his role in life had been prior to that. When Ex- we started rolling. Except for the fact, seriously, when I, when I tell you this, that we happened to be in the one restaurant in Manchester, Tennessee that is open, that is near the where you pick up your credentials and because there was some downtime between when we could actually pick up our credential when the credential office was open and the time that we arrived that we went to kill some time over there and Patrick Clifford being a good A&R guy was eavesdropping on the conversation that we were having at the bar and he recognized us later on as we bumped into him in the artist hospitality area backstage and insisted on coming on the podcast and telling this story about how he was the guy who got uh, the Neville Brothers signed when after they had been uh, put off of their first couple of uh, Atlantic maybe or uh, first couple of LPs that they put out yeah yeah, they had lost their deal and um, and he re-signed them he had them re-signed and he he tells the story about he kind of went chips all in on it he went chips all in on it yeah yeah exactly and and so that was an amazing uh, piece of history uh, that we were that we were able to uh, that we were able to capture on on the it's a good life babe Jeff yeah. Tales tales from New Orleans podcast and I like to think Jeff that it's like okay I always say like Tulane Jazz Archives but I sometimes I think the aliens and the cockroaches man we just need to leave some shit behind 
So whoever takes over. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's a, yeah. I think that's a, va- that's the most valid point that can be made. However, <laughs> if friends, family, strangers, and other fans of the show out there that, that we know who may be listening, uh, we also have some giveaways that like any other fundraiser um, that we yeah. are that we're engaged in and we feel like the amount that we're asking for is really low when you think about media and media production that's right um, our goal is what $3,500 $3,500 just to cover the hard cost and then also to be able to fulfill the rewards that you're bringing that, up now. that's right that's right and yeah. what are those rewards Joel well a couple of them don't cost us anything but are, are cool um, so at a bottom level of like 25 bucks uh, we just give you a shout out and say something nice about you on on one of the shows from Bonnaroo, yeah. And so, if we know you, you don't need to tell us anything about yourself. If you're a stranger, just you know, we'll we'll look at your Facebook page or something, or you'll you can give us a tip on something nice to say about you. Yeah, and we'll air. say it. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll mention it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so like, if you've got like a shout, you're like, hey, it's Tim so and so, and works at the animal rescue. You know, whatever. Twenty five yeah. bucks. Yeah, fifty bucks. You can like. Give us a suggestion or a, a of subject matter or just a direct question. That's right. And we'll talk about it on the podcast. That's right. And we'll attribute it to you on there. Yep. I mean, that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I don't have these in front of me, so pardon me if I'm getting them wrong, but... Um, it's but like, it's all uh, on the Kickstarter site. You it's, know? All, it's, so it's, it's kickstarter.com. We'll be putting that link out. Forward on, slash It's a Good Life Babe. Right. On it's, Facebook and on Twitter, you're going to yeah. be able to see where how you can link to it. Yeah, but it's kickstarter. It's a good life babe.com. Right. Or not dot com. It's a kickstarter.com forward slash it's a good life babe so then there's like at a hundred dollar level you get a a, uh, a super soft t-shirt right? that's right that's right yeah 150 bucks you get like this every and, and look it's sequential like it it's a snowballing effect yep so every level yeah. you increase you get the benefits from the earlier levels you know so you get everything right right so if you're 150 it, it bucks, accrues it accrues it accrues that's it's an right accru- it's an accruent thing yeah it's accrual it's accrual so <laughs> And then, so like at 150, you get the soft ass t shirt and everything else. That's right. Plus uh, the sort of anthology CD from Egg Oak Jubilee. That's right. Yeah, the Crux of the Yoke. Crux of the Yoke. And then, like at 250, um, you get all that shit. And then we'll call you while we're recording in a prearranged time um, and have you on the show for 20 to 30 minutes. You can help us like interview our guest, whoever's on. Yes. You know? Yes. Or we just shoot the shit, right? Because we do, folks who listen to the podcast, we do we call you segments. People don't call in, we call you. We call you. It's one of our guests. That's right. We call you. Yeah. And then, like, if five hundred bucks, I know it's just jumping up. You can be a guest on the show, and this is like we're gonna have to like figure out how to hit up all the people who are coming to Bonnaroo. Because if you're at Bonnaroo, we'll get you backstage to the trailer. If you're already going on your own dime, you're already there. You can come on and sit in on an entire show. And help, and we can either make the right. topic about whatever it is you're up to, if it's something interesting, or you can sit in with a guest and help us interview the guest, you right. know, or being right. a fly on the That's wall, right. whatever. Um, and if you don't, if you're not going to Bonnaroo, that five hundred dollars could be for a to be determined date in the future. You could come on our normal weekly um, recording in New Orleans in the New Orleans studio, and then we have a super banging, super banging. Uh, the top one, which is like. If you are out there and you're listening and you're like, you know, I just love these guys. I like this whole New Orleans thing and they're going to do it at Bonnaroo and you work for some like 
corporation who's got you know an extra thirty five hundred bucks or a company yeah, just lying around. Work for a and big you're like, brewery. You're like, you know, fu- you know, fuck it. I mean, I'm listening to these guys and I love them. You work, and uh, you work for some social media platform. Yeah, whatever. Or you're just you know well to do and you have that kind of money laying around and you're just like, I want to own the whole thing. Just own it. You know, then you can send us the entire amount. And uh, what do they get for that, Joel? Thirty five hundred. Um, it's it's meant for a brand, but we can certainly customize it. And what I've what I put on the Kickstarter page, if you're even interested in that, we can customize it. And I will answer your question, but you can email us at it's a good life babe at gmail.com. Yeah. And give us your contact information if you're even interested and we can talk about customization. But at thirty five hundred dollars, the base level thing is you're a presenting exclusive presenting sponsor. So at the top of every show and bottom of every show, it's a goodlifebabe.com, Jeff and Joel's Tales from Dorland's presented by Brand X. And then in the middle of the show, we do one extended live read. Right. And our live reads are kind of fun and they're brand appropriate. I mean, like they're they're good. And they're not necessarily it's not like a thirty second ad. Like we kind of get into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Fun. So we're looking for somebody like that, you know, like like you know, cool products. We would love to do, you know. Yeah. So if you're a friend of the podcast and you work for like a media company or a social media company, you know, or obviously I'm sending or let's say signals out let's say you're like a mid-sized brewery, you know, in yeah. the New Orleans area or something like that, you know, or maybe you're an executive with a mid-sized brewery in the New right. Orleans area, you know, and you were like thinking about like, huh. Interesting, you know, maybe what we need to do is enter the podcast market in New Orleans uh, in a way that makes us the exclusive brewery or whatever company it is that you have um, that yeah. is entering that podcast market in a very forceful way. And uh, we want and, to do it and you yeah, know, you using the, the It's a Good Life Bay podcast. Well, and then you, ha- you, have, you have the Bonnaroo it. Association. Look, our numbers doubled when we were at Bonnaroo. Our subscriber numbers d- doubled over that weekend. Yeah, that, that we were at Bonnaroo. just... And, on its own that was like one of the biggest things that we've ever done from a publicity standpoint yeah, to get then, more people interested in our podcast and this That's year that. it's interesting because even two years ago the PR people over there a shout out to Ken Weinstein and some of the other folks on his team they still didn't even really understand what a podcast was back then I mean they kind of got it they didn't get it what we were doing and by the end of the weekend I heard so many people from Chad Isak to Ken Weinstein to other people who were could hook us up with like high-end high, right. high yeah. end musicians yeah. to get, come on the pod. Yep. Because we did all the booking ourselves. And we got we got sure. Greg Harris, the CEO of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. Just by going into artist hospitality and having a cocktail and talking to people. We That's were, we exactly were right. working it. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, but but to but to, they all said, man, if we knew what you guys were doing, shit, we could have lined everything up. So this year, it would well, let be me a just, lot easier. Let me just point out too that like we laid the groundwork for getting Tank and the Bangers on the show. That's right. at Bonnaroo because we saw yeah. them right outside yeah, the recording exactly. studio. Yeah, that's right. So that's the kind of stuff that comes out of Bonnaroo. You know, it's like you know we get great stories, we get great guests. It's not just limited to what happens at Bonnaroo. There's a uh, there's a fold over effect that happens down the line because we make associations and connections and and meet people out there. Joel happened to uh, also at one point. Uh, God, I love this story, man. Because I don't know how this went down. Listen to this, man. This is this is one of my favorite fucking stories, and it's a little embarrassing to you, you know. But you'll you'll let me I'm tell fine. it, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So. 
when we were doing this in 2017, we went, uh, we, our production schedule was essentially this. We would record it and then we would go across the production road to artist hospitality. All this is backstage. And, uh, and there was a kind of a air conditioned tent um, that had a bar and and people would go there and just cool off right and it was just a and also there was Wi-Fi there and we need and those were things that we needed we felt you know and so we'd go there and get a drink and sit down and cool off and use the Wi-Fi and we would upload because we have this way of recording to the phone and we would just upload really quickly to the and, cloud. and so and so our and our finish. episodes just so everybody knows are, they're getting done in as close to kind of sort of real time as you can for a podcast right we're, pu- so we're publishing like, like 30 minutes after we're, we're, we're like publishing going. 30 minutes after exactly yeah. and uh and so we sat down at this table and joel was like being he was waxing philosophical about some topic or another and he was being very forceful in his opinions and there was a guy who was a stranger who was sitting across the table from us and and the guy was you know kind of Point counterpointing to some of the things that Joel was saying, but Joel wasn't having any of it, and it was coming across as a little brusque. And uh, and it turns out that that guy directed Donnie Darko, <laughs> so we had a we had like a bona fide Hollywood director, and then we sitting ha- at the same table with us that we could have had a great conversation with, but he was like mildly offended, and we we could have had him on the podcast. But I thought we but hugged it out with him at the end. We hugged it out a little bit, but I'm not sure but that still, they, he didn't I, get over the. I don't think it would have. I don't think that we. I don't think that we hugged it out in a way that would have gotten him on the podcast. No, because I was. I can't remember what the subject matter was. I want to find him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and try to get Do him. Do you back remember on, what the? Because I was just like, you don't know what you're talking. I about. can't. I can't remember what I it was. I was very rude. You you were because you were rude. dude, it was very intense. But but you have to you have to you have to understand something too. Man. It was like, very intense. You got to be careful back there because there's like some yes. people you know who are yes. like. Who are really doing shit, and uh, and you might want to have that person on your show. That's right. You know, you know what noted for this year. So let's be nice. We're going to be nice to we'll everyone, be nice, even if we are stressed out. Yeah, even if we're a little stressed out. That's right. Because it, it was stressful. But I wanna, live and learn. I wanna, we live and learn. But I you wanna, know what I want to say this too, because I this is kind of bugging me because <laughs> I, I I did do that, folks. I don't generally do that, but it was uh, you know extenuating circumstances or whatever. No, it's still no good excuse. Um, <clears throat> This guy was kind of a jackass. But then I like, I was like, that's one of my favorite films. So I was having this cognitive dissonance. And know? then it seemed like we were trying to kiss his ass, you know, but we were, no, we were like genuinely we were interested genuinely in, the, in the film. Yeah. And like what like, he's oh doing now. God, like, that's an amazing like, film. Exactly. And right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Being completely genuine. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then he's like, Oh, now you're kissing my ass. No, it's well, no, now we're just interested in what you have to say. Um, anyway, um, Again, back to this idea of like, why are we asking people to fund our trip? Look, we've been doing this podcast for coming up on three years, and we've gone out of pocket for everything. That's right. You know, the gear, the last trip to Bonnaroo, the monthly fees for lots of stuff that goes into having a podcast. Totally. You know, it's not, and all of our time, but we love, look. The time thing, I don't, I mean, like I've said on the podcast before on the show, the podcast is like therapy for me. It's like talk therapy, you know? Yeah. So it it gives back and I love doing it. Um, But, you know, there are hard costs that we've just decided to incur because we like doing it. And 
I'm involved in a startup music management company, you know, and margins are thin. That's a really difficult business to be in. One of my bands is playing Bonnaroo, which is dope, at the in the Christmas barn in the Snake and Jake stage. Dude, that's going to be great to have them there. <laughs> yeah, soul, soul Brass Band. Yeah. Um, oh, and Derek Freeman is considering running for governor. By yes, the way. right, exactly. Yeah. Derek Freeman for governor, everybody. we got to make that happen. Um, and Jeff clearly, as our listeners know, is undergoing chemo treatment and hasn't been able to work. And it's just like the only way we can like justify doing this is to not. I mean, I literally can't go out of pocket. Well, that's know? what that's what Kickstarter is I for. Just, yeah, you know. Yeah, and 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 this is what we're trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. so like, um, you know, like anything, like a like a. I mean, this is not some for profit enterprise. You know, that we're doing here. It's a right. It's a. We don't have a nonprofit entity. We don't have a for profit entity. We have apartments and a house at where we set up microphones and do this show. We do it for no money and for the love of it and because yes, we consider it to be talk therapy and for all all kinds and, of and reasons archival because archival stuff. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And that and that's it. I don't think there's much more that needs to be said. So I mean, we're we're trying to get back to Bonnaroo. It's gonna be our last time. Um, Bonnaroo is the place where the genesis of the idea of the podcast started. Oh yeah, we should with, talk about with, that a little with bit. Joel and I riding around on uh, golf carts, and in in between interviews that we were conducting, um, doing sp- sponsorship uh, uh, promotional videos for for Bonnaroo, which nobody understood. It was the least glamorous video job uh, of anyone working at at Bonnaroo. Yeah, yeah, we were using the most advanced video Equipment. capture gear the funny thing about it was like we were the least glamorous crew out there with the most enviable gear we were the first people to shoot 169 this is including the people shooting the axe on the stage i know I we know. were the it was first amazing. crew out there to shoot 169 i know we were way ahead of the bell curve. and we were the first uh crew to shoot to p2 cards to digital media well that's because we were thinking about our clients and you and i had those conversations um at length before we went out there and what we did was we strategized and we went online and we found the gear and we figured out the costs and you went and you got it done on your end right and and i got the technical specs done on my end and right. we figured out a uh, uh, workflow as they call it uh that uh i don't even know if people are using that term anymore but uh we figured out a workflow that that, that worked before, before there, anybody before there was, was ever a, a term called media manager, which like three years later happened. Yeah, even when we were out there doing sixteen by nine high definition on a tapeless, um, there were people. We, who we were got we got there were people who shooting were the police or whatever it was essentially that were mocking us right. for uh, for shooting on uh, cards which they considered to be less reliable than shitty ass tape exactly exactly the just think about, about the, that right the now the thing about the cards though at the time think about that you Joel could, you could only get 8 gig cards and at the time the technology was so new 1 minute of media capture per gig so we had to hire an intern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Literally just to run cards back and forth to the trailer. That's all they did. Them. That's all they did. And, and look, that workflow not only, didn't exist. We no one there was not a blueprint for that workflow. We essentially we made it. We maxed out uh, in two cities wide in Portland or in Oregon. 
uh, Portland all, and Nashville, all of them. all of the cards that, that were, were available, available in those two in cities. those two cities in Portland and for Nashville. that Panasonic camera. Yeah, in order to do it, we yes. got every available rental of a P two card that was available, and we scooped them all. And up. some crusty old DP who's like shooting the headliners on the main stage looks at our gear and is like, "Whoa." Yeah, like he was appreciative. He was like, "What the fuck?" And even though they were acting like, "Oh, you guys, this will never be around, and this is some passing thing," and it's like, "It is not passing. It's the future. You have no idea what you're talking about." And they're like, "You know, the the only thing inside those P2 cars is just an SD card, and it's, <laughs> that stuff is super." But you're not, you're not going to have a master tape. You're how not going to have a master how, tape. How the fuck is that reliable? How is it unreliable? I have never had a single dropout. I've never had a problem. I've never had a single loss of any piece of video that I've shot on solid state media ever. Right. Not once. Right. Uh, so far. And maybe that's just a representation of the um, volume that I've shot. But I think that it's, you know, when you compare it to like tape and heads that have to be replaced at a cost of $30,000. Right. You know, upwards of that kind of cost. Yeah. Um, in like those high-end uh, beta SP cameras that people were using back in the day, um, shooting on four shitty 4x3 analog format. Um, you, you know, there's no comparison. So, and so we were way ahead of the bell curve. And then, and then as you saw, like year by year, very quickly, everything changed. And uh, and then suddenly people were ahead of us, and we had to catch up a little bit. Well, suddenly, we like, like you know. do you remember the first year where you had? I can't remember if you were at uh, the Boston Festival or not. I don't think you were. I went one year. Okay, yeah. suddenly we were still shooting on to our digital thing. It was improved, and suddenly we're seeing the DSLRs. And yeah, like, and then oh, you're shit. seeing the DSLRs. Yeah, right. And then we exactly. switched to that like the next year. Right, right, right. So well, the, we went to some other cameras kids, that like, had like the. Uh, that had that just went on the SD card, and right. I remember when it came out, when it went from P2, there was a similar kind of reaction because the P2 thing had this like metal housing that made it look legit, right? You know what I mean? That looked rugged, and you could drop it on the ground, and nothing would happen to it. And then they were like, "Why are we having this?" You know, and it's like you got to pay a thousand dollars for a card, and blah blah blah, which was way super stupidly overpriced. And then suddenly they start having these cameras that just had the SD cards that you can buy at That's Walgreens, right. yeah. you know. And once that happened, then people were like, "You're just going to shoot on an SD card, man." <laughs> and of course, that's where we are now, even on red cameras. You know what I mean? It's like, of course it changed. It's the same technology for crying out loud, you know. And and even like the little mini SDs now you can shoot on, you know, and like get just as much data on it as you can on a larger chip because the march of technology doesn't cease and things are constantly being improved. It's not as though you go backwards. Right. You know what I mean? In terms of technology, it just gets better. And we made that prediction like years ago. We were like we we're like, this They're is the way that it's going and we're doubling down on it and we were and we and we were we were right. We were vindicated. There are probably still some podcasters out there right now, like recording to the Zoom or whatever, who would just freak out at the fact that we're recording to a phone right now. The phone thing freaks people out. And what, this is what I remember is that when, uh, two years ago when we were there, they had a bunch of people that were like, you know, we got feedback from a lot of millennials who were, who were like, whoa. Like, you guys are, like, doing this, like, real deal because we had the lavaliers and we had some handheld mics, which is really chintzy when you think about it from a studio standpoint. And now we have the real mics. And now we have some real articulating mics. Articulating arms. Right, right, with some articulating arms. So if when we go back 
folks this yeah. year, you're going to see like they're going to be even more impressed. So we with this with our PreSonus yes uh, mixer that has the built-in SD card. Oh, it's recording onto an SD card, Joel. Right. What do you know? As a backup, have we had any problems with this? No, we haven't had any problems with it, and it's so. super quiet. And uh, but we're still recording to the phone. Yeah, and we're still going to just upload from the phone, and that's how we roll. Exactly. So we yeah we've made these investments in the gear too, folks, and it's just like we really want to do this Bonnaroo thing. Can't afford to do it without this Kickstarter campaign. We just can't. We just can't. That's right. That's right. So we're asking our listeners and people who love the podcast, friends, family, and fans of the show, to uh, to pony up some cash if you got it, and uh, and help us get to Bonnaroo so we can produce. Probably what's going to be about 12, somewhere between 12 and 15 episodes. Yeah, I was thinking 13. 13 episodes in a very short period of time. Another thing, too, which I think you'll find entertaining, is that we're going to take photographs and post them to social media along the way. So you can see all the goofy shit that we're doing while we're we're out at Bonnaroo. Exactly. And and, and real quick to to circle back to what you were saying before, we lost a little track into the technology stuff, but the the, the OG... Well, that was a nerd out. That sure was a nerd out. I hope people are still listening. Um, The the podcast basically originated from Bonnaroo because we had the, Jeff and I didn't know each other that well until we started working together. We weren't friends. I knew you through Andrew. I'd done a little bit of work with you through spitball media here in new Orleans. You just come out shooting some stuff. That was really our only interactions. Um, so it really was Bonnaroo when we framed and we had a share room because they're just it's in the middle of Tennessee. They just don't have the amount of hotels where people can get their own rooms if you're at our level of production or whatever. Yeah, we really cemented our friendship through Bonnaroo. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. It's like yeah. that first year. But the thing what I just I remember so distinctly, like that first night settling in the hotel and we're just talking about True Breeze and the Saints or something, you know, or I mean, I guess that would have been a couple of years later, but just like in, in 2006. But, and we started working before then. But, um, just talking and talking and talking till the second, like, all right, I'm going to bed and then lights out, good night, right? And then wake up, talking and talking and talking. And then, and then in the van to the site, talking and talking. And then, and then I would later admit to Jeff that I would masturbate when he was in the shower. Oh, Jesus, God damn it. I didn't need to know any of that. TMI a little bit. So, uh, well, you got to take care of it at some point, you know. <laughs> you got to take care of it at some point. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then we'd be the big thing was on the golf cart rides in between shoots, you know, because like you line up ten interviews over the day, and you're sitting there, and like an interview might last ten minutes, but an hour goes into it between getting to the location, setting up the shot, you know, and you're kind of having these little micro conversations along the way, and we're just hand boning it the whole way, man. Like like just, people observing. Yeah, uh, making fun of people, cracking each other, cracking up. each other up. I kept taking jokes. notes. I just had my first yeah. smartphone with, with the notes program. I'm yeah, that's writing right. everything that's down. Right. So I'm like, that's genius. Uh, you know what I mean? I just remember right, taking, taking notes, taking notes. So many notes on those festivals, and then like at the same time, we'd be like, "Do you like this shot?" I mean, we would like in the middle of a conversation, one of us could say. Uh, I think the lights, I think over here is better because of this and the light and the signs right there. Let's do that. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. And then we just keep 
just pick the conversation back up that's while right. we're waiting that's for the right. interview and I'm texting the interview E and like you know and then suddenly we're still talking the interview E shows up and then we're like we just give each other like nonverbal cues and we start rolling and that's just right. get right into work right. you right. know that's right. and the second they're done and we say our buys we just pick up the conversation again right where we left it off that's right that's right we do our work and then and then we're like okay back to that thing that we were <laughs> exactly. talking about before. without skipping a beat <laughs> that's right uh, that's the way and that, that was. basically led to the podcast. That's right, exactly. So, in essence, folks, uh, Bonnaroo in gave the sa- birth to our podcast. in in the same way that Snake and Jake's gave birth to Superfly. In in a, in a sense, the Bonnaroo, Bonnaroo gave, gave birth. birth to our podcast. Now, those guys are millionaires now and have sold uh, many uh, properties throughout time and we have a podcast that you know we might sell to a media conglomerate for $500 <laughs> and that's why we're asking you to help us get to Bonnaroo at this point folks Please. Uh, for the aforementioned reasons and uh, and so this is our fundraiser podcast to get to Bonnaroo I think we've covered it from all the angles right yes, now but, uh, we're at about 48 minutes right now right. Uh, so anyway folks uh, it's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. We love everybody out there who listens to the podcast, and uh, we think this is a, you know, um, it's a worthy cause to get us up to Bonnaroo, and it's really and we will from not, the standpoint we will not of, disappoint. From the promise. we will not disappoint. Trust me. In terms of content, delivery. in terms of content delivery, it will not be disappointing. You will enjoy it, and you will also reap the benefits as well of the swag that we will send to you, yeah, and right. also. Uh, the fame that will be accorded to you by being on the show. If so, go to our Kickstarter. Joel, you want to let them know where the Kickstarter is again? Yeah, it's kickstarter.com forward slash it's a good life, babe. And that's where it's going to be. You can check us out there. You can donate a little bit of money. And There's a funny gonna... video on there too, by the way. Oh yeah, of us. Yeah, well, like we're in a pre-production meeting about the video that we're going to produce. And that's and, like, the video. You as Jeff is wont to do, uh, I don't know he's rolling, and I'm just sitting there like taking the meeting over, and like <laughs> sounding like a jackass. And that uh, we just use that video. We just use the pre-production video. We use the pre-production video. That's what that's what we're doing. And uh, <laughs> so so watch the pre-production video, and, and with inside of three minutes, if you don't want to listen to our podcast, you can watch that video, and we'll tell you everything that that we just told you. They've already listened to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. So right. exactly. We should have led with that. <laughs> All right, folks, it's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. We'll catch up with you next time, and uh, peace out. Yeah, you're right.